Well, welcome, Bel Air family. We are so happy that you chose to join us this morning in worship. We are continuing on in our series on the Trinity. It's going to be a good series, so I'm so glad you're participating with us. Last week, you heard Drew kick us off with Jesus. Today, we'll be looking at the Holy Spirit, which I'm so excited about. But our hope during this series is that our hearts, our minds would expand in our understanding of who God is this dynamic relational dance that takes place within the Trinity that kind of sometimes feels a little bit hard for us to understand, a little hard for us to grasp at times. But when we can just let it soak in for a second, it can leave us with awe and wonder that we have a God who is expansive and massive. And we also have a God who is deeply intimate. So let's lean into this series. Let's lean into embracing the Trinity and to what God has in store for us in this series. And it is a joy, and I mean that, it is a joy for me to be talking with you today about the person of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit. There's a good word for us today, and I hope you, uh, you lean in with me on that. We're going to be reading today. Our anchor text for this morning will be from John 16. John 16. You can turn there now in your Bibles or in your Bible app at home. Go ahead and open that up. Um, we will be bouncing around Scripture a lot today. So just get ready if you want to follow me through some of this. But John 16 verses 13 through 14 is where we'll be reading from this morning. This is Jesus. Jesus is speaking to his disciples. And he says this. I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. When the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all the truth, for he will not speak on his own, but will speak whatever he hears, and he will declare to you the things that are to come. This, my friends, is the reading of God's word. And as you say together every week with me at home, thanks be to God. Friends, I want to begin our time together with a question for you. I want you to ponder this for a minute. What comes to mind for you when you think about the Holy Spirit? When you picture the Spirit, what does the Spirit look like? What images come to mind for you? And how do you interact with the Spirit? What's, what are your feelings? What are the emotions that preoccupy your heart when you're talking about the Spirit of God? Now, if you've been a Christian for a long time, you may have gone through a journey of feelings and experiences with the Holy Spirit. You may have shifted or grown in different ways in how you related to this third person of the Trinity. And I know that there's a few postures that many of us take or have taken throughout the course of our life of faith. And I wanna just highlight those really quick. First is many of us have forgotten. <laughs> we have forgotten the Spirit. We're like, the holy who? We forget. We forget about the Spirit. Pastor Steve Alfred says this, if the sin of the Old Testament was rejecting God and the sin of the New Testament was rejecting Jesus, then the sin of our time is rejecting the Holy Spirit. We forget. We forget the Spirit. Second, another posture we might have towards the Spirit is fear. Fear, we might be a little, a little afraid, a little frightened by the Spirit. Maybe you've had some weird or hurtful experiences with churches or people claiming to be Spirit-led or Spirit-filled, and yet that experience left you feeling a little wounded. 
Maybe that left you feeling a little distrusting towards the spirit. And third, some of us find it easier, just, it's just easier to relate to, to the father and to the son. Those are traditional relational images for us that it's just easier for us to imagine. Jesus and the father. But the spirit, the spirit is like this sort of mystery to us. It's kind of ethereal, kind of out there, kind of hard to grasp, wrap our minds around to contain. And so we just kind of put it out there on the peripheral of our faith. And we don't really think about it so much for our here and now life with God. And I do know that some of us are actually very comfortable with the Spirit. And we usually know who you are when you're comfortable with the Spirit. Raise your hand if you have a dove tattoo. I don't. Drew, don't be shy. Friends, I know that God is inviting us into something deeper. No, no matter where you are, no matter what posture you bring this morning to the Spirit, whether it's fear, whether it's a little apprehension, whether it's forgetting, or whether it's all in, I know God wants to take us into a deeper place in a relationship with the Holy Spirit today. Now, I know, I am well aware that I cannot say it all about the Holy Spirit, though I would like to, but that would be hours and days and weeks and months and maybe even years of information for us to talk about. And it's painful. It's painful for me. I had to, I had to winnow it down, but I really feel like this message was spirit-led for us this morning, but it will barely scratch the surface. I want us to consider three things. Three things. I want us to cultivate an awareness, awareness of the Spirit's presence. The Spirit's presence. It's here now. I want us to cultivate an understanding of the Spirit's purpose. What is the Spirit for? What are the tasks? What does the Spirit do? And then I want us to think about living into the Spirit's power. The Spirit is powerful and moving and calling us to something which we'll unpack. So the Spirit's presence. Now, in the Hebrew Scriptures, in the creation narrative that we see at the beginning of Genesis, we read about the Spirit being present. In Genesis 1, Genesis 1, it says this, When God began to create the heavens and the earth, the earth was complete chaos and darkness covered the face of the deep while a wind from God swept over the face of the waters. Then God said, let there be light. And there was light. And then later in Genesis 2, verse 7, we read this. Then the Lord God formed man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. And the man became a living being. Wind from God, breath of life. The word that we see here is a, is a feminine Hebrew word, actually. Ruha. Ruha. Let me hear you say that at home. That's pretty good. Ruha. This word has multiple meanings for us. It, it's spirit, it's breath, it's wind. And this spirit, this ruha, is associated throughout Scripture with life. Life life bringer, life creator, life giver. The spirit is an enlivening and vivifying presence. That's another word I love, vivifying. Vivifying, life-giving, enlivening presence. From Genesis to Revelation, the spirit is life. 
And later we'll read about the Ruha Elohim, which Drew has also mentioned last week. Ruha Elohim, the Spirit of God. Throughout the Old Testament, the Ruha Elohim would be present in the tabernacle with the Israelites. And it would also come upon people throughout, throughout the Old Testament. Samson, the prophets, the judges, the Spirit would come enter in for a season or a reason, and then would depart, would leave, would exit. But in Christ, the presence of the divine changed. In Christ, the Spirit of God would no longer come and go. The Spirit would live and stay with us permanently. 20th century theologian Jürgen Moltmann in his book titled The Spirit of Life says this about the Holy Spirit. The person of God, the Holy Spirit, is the loving, outfanning, outpouring presence of the eternal divine life of the triune God. Whoa, Moltmann. <laughs> I love that description. The outpouring, outpouring love, outfanning presence of the eternal divine life of the triune God, that is the Spirit with you, with me. Now, towards the end of his earthly ministry in John chapter 16, Jesus is talking to his disciples about what's to come. And he says this in verse 7 I tell you the truth, it is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the advocate will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. Now, some translations say here that it's for your good. Jesus is saying it's for your good that I'm going away. This good advantage, according to theologian Dale Bruner, can actually be translated as meaning the best thing ever. The best thing ever is for me to go away. That's what Jesus is saying. Can you imagine the disciples in this moment hearing this? They've just walked with Jesus for three years through an intense and intimate time of ministry. They have witnessed miracles, praises, threats. They've listened and learned from his teaching through the region of Galilee. They've basically been on a three-year camping trip together. These guys are tight. And here's Jesus saying, I gotta go. Like, I gotta, I gotta go, go. And it's gonna be for your good, actually. The best thing ever. I'm sorry, Jesus, what? We've given up everything for you. We have followed you. We've seen a lot of stuff and now you're out? And Jesus says, yeah. How could anything be good about Jesus's presence leaving them? Enter the Holy Spirit. Jesus says it is the advocate that will come to them. The Spirit of God will be the best thing ever to happen to you. Now the advocate in the Greek means parakletos or paraclete. Some of you have heard it means helper. Helper. Literally come alongside. Come alongside like a lawyer would come to defend somebody on trial, like, like a teacher would come alongside a student. This is the parakletos, the helper, the advocate. 
This is the presence of God that will stay with them, guide them and strengthen them as they'll be called out in some pretty amazing ways. It will transform them. Now there's a, a picture that we might be showing now, we'll see, but there's a, a small sculpture that a friend of mine has. And I took a picture of it. It was really impactful to me. And I feel like this picture came to mind as I was thinking about these, these images of the Holy Spirit. And it's two people coming together and one has their arm around the other who seems to be a little distraught. So there's this comforting element to this posture. And then with the other hand, this person is pointing up. And to me, that demonstrates what the Spirit does for us, what the Spirit was doing for the disciples, coming alongside, comforting and guiding, showing the way, pointing, always pointing back to Jesus. And so Jesus departs, the advocate comes, Christ ascends to the Father and the Holy Spirit descends upon the church. Things get a little crazy. We see in the beginning of Acts, which we're gonna, we're gonna tap into a little bit, but Pentecost happens, right? Pentecost happens, people think they're drunk and they're like, no, it's, it's nine in the morning. We're not drunk, we're just filled with the Spirit. But there's this outpouring that's powerful upon the church. And there's actions that happened that grew and transformed them to be in the world as Jesus was in the world, to be sent out to do even more, even more than Jesus did. And in the text we read earlier, before he ascends, once again, I wanna read this. Jesus says in John chapter 16, verse 12, listen into these words. I still have many things, many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. When the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all the truth for he will not speak on his own, but will speak whatever he hears and he will declare to you the things that are to come. There are things I won't tell you yet, Jesus says. It would be too much for you, he says. It would be too heavy. Can we just pause here for a second? Jesus has said a lot of things to the disciples over the course of their time together. I mean, he's been like, you gotta eat my flesh and drink my blood. You, you know, blessed are, the, blessed are you when people persecute you. He has said all kinds of things to, this, to the disciples. What was he gonna try and say to them that they could not bear? But Jesus says the advocate, the helper, will come and guide you into all truth. You will know soon, the Spirit will show you, and they will happen. Well, what happened? What happened? <laughs> the good news is we've got the book of Acts that shows us, that tells us all these things that happened. Healings, conversions, betrayals, community building, great dinners, teaching, martyrdom, to name a few. But I wanna draw our attention to one main story that I feel like the Spirit was really impressing in on the early church. This theme that's woven throughout the book of Acts, the movement of the Spirit calling early followers of Jesus out to Judea, Samaria, the ends of the earth, calling them out to bring the excluded in. 
to shift from their old way of thinking about God and their faith into something new that God was doing. A powerful example of this is in Acts chapter 8, verses 26 through 40. Listen into the story. Acts 8, 26. Then an angel of the Lord said to Philip, Get up and go toward the south to the road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is a wilderness road. So he got up and went. Now there was an Ethiopian eunuch, a court official of Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, in charge of her entire treasury. He had come to Jerusalem to worship and was returning home, seated in his chariot. He was reading from the prophet Isaiah. Then the spirit said to Philip, go over to this chariot and join it. So Philip ran up to it and heard him reading the prophet Isaiah. He asked, do you understand what you are reading? And he replied, how can I unless someone explains it to me? And he invited Philip to get in and sit beside him. Skipping to verse 35. Then Philip began to speak, and starting with the scripture, he proclaimed to him the good news about Jesus. As they were going along the road, they came to some water. And the eunuch said, look, here is water. What is to prevent me from being baptized? He commanded the chariot to stop, and both of them, Philip and the eunuch, went down into the water, and Philip baptized him. When they came up out of the water, the spirit of the Lord snatched Philip away and the eunuch saw him no more and went on his way rejoicing. I want us to reflect on the significance that we find in this wilderness road exchange between Philip and the eunuch. If we linger here a moment, we discover a powerful and subversive message, a message that we might be inclined to overlook or miss at first we find that this is a story about belonging. This is a story about the outsider being brought in. This is a story of a boundary-breaking and new family-making Christ. Philip is called by the Spirit to get up and go. And so he got up and went. And we don't see that there's any hesitation here. Philip is very obedient. He's ready. He's not like, what time do we leave? I got to pack my bags. He gets up and he goes. And Philip meets this eunuch out on the wilderness road. He runs alongside a chariot, which clearly means Philip is a very fast runner. And he tells him about Jesus. And he baptizes him. This socially, culturally, and religiously outcast man. Philip welcomes him to the family of God. So the eunuch was coming back from Jerusalem, we know that, where he had just experienced rejection because there was a law that eunuchs were not allowed to enter the temple. The Ethiopian eunuch represents what the ends of the earth would be in first century cultural Judaism. And now here he is, rejoicing. No longer an outcast, he's brought in. A new identity has been given to him. New life has begun all by the power of the Holy Spirit, all on a wilderness road. Now, there's two other examples of this that I want to encourage you to read later today. 
They're found in Acts, Acts chapter 10, verses 34 through 48. You can read the story of Peter being led to Cornelius' household where Gentiles hear the good news of Jesus for the first time and they receive the Holy Spirit. Gentiles had not been brought in to the family of God yet. And this story is partly why many of us, you and I, if you're a Gentile, are in the family of faith today. And this story continues in Acts 11 with a circumcised group and the uncircumcised group. There was lots of fighting and bickering who's in and who's out. And, and they join together. They're reconciled. All of these stories have a theme. Someone was out and now they're in. The same spirit is moving in and among us today. The Spirit of God continues to stretch us, continues to grow us, continues to move us toward the outsider. The grace of God met the outsider on a wilderness road in the heat of the day and pursued him through Philip. The grace of God gave him a new life. Just how far does God's grace go? Said another way, how far are we willing to go with God's grace? I want you to think for a moment about people that you know. Maybe the, there are those in your midst that you think don't belong to the family of God. Thing, people that you think might or should be excluded. Do you put boundaries or limits around those you think who Jesus loves and pursues? Who are those people to you? Like Philip, I believe the Spirit is calling us, calling you, calling me to get up and go, to be obedient to where the Spirit is leading, to get up from the safety of what we think we know, about the limits of Christ's love and to have courage to step out. To go to unfamiliar places, to those uncomfortable places, to those wilderness places with the good news and to run fast with it and carry the name of Jesus, the one who calls them and says, you're mine, you belong, here's a new identity. That good news is that a family, the family of God, is being brought back together. When the, the power of the Spirit transforms us, it liberates us from the prison of our own hardened hearts, friends. <laughs> the Spirit calls us, calls us out to set the captives free from the bondage of exclusion and judgment the spirit of life longs to open wide the gates and leads us to an abundant and flourishing new family, one of belonging to God and to each other. The spirit, as Reverend Howard Thurman writes, is enlarging the boundaries of our hearts. He writes this, God is making room and my heart for compassion. The awareness that where my life begins is where your life begins. 
The awareness that the sensitivities to your needs cannot be separated from the sensitivities to my needs. The awareness that the joys of my heart are never mine alone, nor are my sorrows. I struggle against the work of God in my heart. Did you catch that? I struggle. I struggle against the work of God in my heart. I want to be let alone. I want my boundaries to remain fixed, I, that I may rest. But even now, as I turn to him in the quietness, his work in me is ever the same. God is at work enlarging the boundaries of my heart. God is at work enlarging the boundaries of our hearts. The Spirit is powerful. The Spirit has a purpose that works in us now in the same way, guiding us to a place where we finally are joined together, leading us to a place where we are finally united as one, driving us to a place where we will experience the fullness and the beauty and the freedom of being reconciled to God and to each other. And yet, and yet, do we see it? Do we hear it? Do we feel it? Are we aware of the work of the Spirit in our hearts? Are we even aware? Or do we avoid it or ignore it or forget it? Like Thurman confesses, Sometimes we just want to be left alone. Sometimes the road that the Spirit calls us to, it is a hard one. But we must remember that it is always a good one. It might seem hard, but it is good. It's the power of the Spirit's transforming work that leads us closer down the road towards the image of Christ closer to the loving of our neighbors, closer towards the compassionate and merciful heart of God. I, I could not help but remember this song. Um, you know me, it's not a Rebecca sermon unless I bring in a song. Remember the song Oceans? We were really all into that song about 10 years ago, right? We had it on repeat. Oceans, oh, so good. Do you remember... Um, I think it's the bridge. Spirit, lead me where my trust is without borders. Let me walk upon the waters wherever you would call me. Take me deeper than my feet could ever wander, that my faith would be made stronger in the presence of my Savior. Woo, it's hard for me to even say those words without getting a little choked up. There's something powerful, deeply moving, deeply resonating about being called out to uncharted territory. To have the courage to listen to the Spirit's nudging and guiding us out to a place where our boundaries don't exist. It can be scary, but we can trust in God's goodness and his grace to carry us and anchor us. 
Are we really willing to be led in this way? We love singing that song, but do we mean it? Are we willing to get up and go as Philip did, as Peter did? Are you and I willing to let the Spirit do a work to enlarge in our hearts? When we've been comfortable and safe for some time, this is a hard question for us to answer. Willie Jennings, a theologian from Duke Divinity, says this about the disciples in Acts. He says, they may have asked for the Holy Spirit to come, but they did not ask for this. This is real grace. Untamed grace. And he goes on to say in Acts, this is so interesting, almost no one, he says, almost no one in Acts is doing what they want to do. The Spirit of God, the Spirit of God is pressing every disciple to do precisely what God wants done and not what they had envisioned. This is really important for us to understand because we often think that God operates how we envision God to operate. We, we anticipate the Spirit leading how we want to be led, calling us to what we want to be called to. Uh, the other day I said, I said to my husband, oh, we really need to give our dog a bath. Trust me, this is a great, this is a great uh, illustration. Our dog is 90 pounds, black lab. She's a big girl, she's beautiful. She needs a bath. She needs a bath. And I said, we need to give her a bath. And Mike says to me, I don't feel called to that. <laughs> and I was like, oh, I'm using that in my sermon. He's like, you got to tell people I was just kidding. You guys, he wasn't for a second. He wasn't really kidding for a second. I don't feel called to that. <laughs> we'll have to throw that out there. I don't feel called to that. You might not feel called to something that's a little unpleasant, a little scary, that might take some courage. And that's where we need to discern the Spirit of God. We've got to discern what is God calling us to? To bring this home a little bit, I wanna suggest a prayer practice that I have done that I think will be really helpful for you as you discern, as you, you know, conjure up your awareness to what the Spirit is doing in your life. Um, it's kind of like a prayer of examine, if you've ever done a prayer of examine, um, but this will help us kind of center and hear from God in ways that could be really powerful and really transformative. So first, you're going to find a comfortable place. I know right now you're probably eating your breakfast or you're getting caught up later in the week. But eventually, find a, a, find a quiet place by yourself and just pause, breathe. Just feel, let your body settle and be comfortable for a minute. And then bring awareness. You're going to start with the P, pause. So sorry, the acronym for this, you guys, is PRAY. How perfect is that? PRAY is the acronym. So first P, Pause, pause and bring awareness to the presence of God. Pause and bring awareness to the presence of God. Now, I love this quote from 12th century uh, Benedictine abbess and writer and poet, Hildegard von Bingen. Yes, that's her name, Hildegard von Bingen. She says this, bidden or unbidden, God is near. Bidden or unbidden, God is near. Whether we call on God to come near, it doesn't matter. God is already present. So this purpose of pausing is just bringing awareness to the Spirit's presence that is already here. The second is this, reflect, R, reflect. Reflect on your life. 
What is the state of your heart in this moment? What are you feeling? What is weighing you down? Share honestly. I heard somebody say once that sometimes the most honest prayer that we can pray is, ugh. <laughs> Have you ever prayed that prayer? Just, ugh. That sometimes is the most honest prayer we can pray. So reflect and bring your full self to God. Share honestly what is weighing on you. And then next is A, ask. Ask, ask the Spirit to speak. Ask the Spirit to speak to you and listen with openness. I know a lot of us have been dealing with a little bit of cynicism lately. I know it's there. Ask God to speak to your heart that it would be open to heal some of that cynicism, that you'd be open to hearing from the Spirit. What boundary needs to be moved in your heart? And listen, is the Spirit calling you out to love somebody on the social or political or even family margins? And then D, this is part of the A, guys. D is discerning when you're asking God, discern what you hear. Is this compatible with the heart of God? We're always testing what we feel the Spirit leading us with. We're always testing it and discerning it with who we know Jesus to be, how Jesus lived, how he loved, what did he say? Is the Spirit leading us in a way that's congruent with the te teachings of Jesus? And then lastly, why is yield. We yield. We have courage to step out of our comfort zones and be led and to submit and to be obedient to God and where the Spirit is leading us beyond what feels safe, beyond what we feel like we know or is easy to us. Philip was called, so he got up and went. Let's pray for the courage to get up and go like he did. I also want you to think about this. I want you to feel, fill in the blank for this statement. Holy Spirit, I receive your Holy Spirit, I receive your fill in the blank. What is that for you today? Peace, healing, joy. What do you need to receive? Friends, the Holy Spirit called Philip to an outsider with a message of Jesus. And in the same way, the Spirit is calling us out now with the same message so that those who've been dismissed, rejected, and sent home might be brought in and welcomed into a new family of God. May we have the courage to be obedient to the Spirit's call, to get up and go, even if it's something we don't fully understand. May we cling to the boundless love and extravagant grace of God as we proclaim the good news of Jesus. And may we embrace our own unchanging identity as a people who were once lost, who were once out on the margins, who were once outcast, but were now found and brought in and welcomed. We are now a people of God who belong to each other, now and always through the power of the Holy Spirit. Friends, the invitation, the invitation today is for the Holy Spirit to bring new life 
new direction and courage into your life. The invitation of the Holy Spirit is belonging. The invitation of the Holy Spirit is freedom and transformation. Not on your own power, but through his. May we say yes to the Spirit's call, to the Spirit's purpose, to the Spirit's hope. And may we get up and may we go. Amen. You know, some interesting information that not everybody knows that we share within our leadership groups is that 95% of people who join our worship services every single week do so online or on television. A remarkable thing that you are a part of. Our ministry that God has given us over the course of 60 years has had to adapt and change in a variety of ways. And we're in this season right now where we serve people not only on our physical campus, but equip them and gather with them in worship no matter where they live. Some of you that's here in Los Angeles, some of you that's somewhere else in our nation, some of you are one of the residents across 191 countries that are now part of the Beller Church worshiping experience. And I wanna invite you to consider yourself part of this church family. We'd love for you to consider membership. We'd love for you to consider getting invested in more ways. And also, I'd like to invite you to give your time, your talent, and your treasure as part of the church family. No matter who you are, no matter where you've been, it's an opportunity to partner with God with what God is doing in this city and around the globe. So would you go to belair.org forward slash give. You can give towards our general fund. We're wrapping up our fiscal year as we are on pace to make budget, to extend more and more ministry into the city and around the globe. But also you can choose a drop-down menu that enables you to pay and support us specifically in our KCOP broadcast television ministry. However you choose to give, it's an opportunity for you to lean into this life that God invites you into. God longs for you to simply give back to what God is doing because God first gave to you. So as you give, be blessed, do so with generous hearts and do so with gratitude and joy that God is gonna multiply your gift exponentially for God's kingdom purposes. Again, thank you and may God bless you on this day.